Welcome to the Founders Podcast. Whose bright idea was this anyway? I'm Andrew Peyton Smith, founder and CEO of Jizoodle. And welcome to episode nine of the Founders Podcast, Whose Bright Idea Was This Anyway? And this week, amid all of the coronavirus, the bushfires, the floods and everything else that's afflicting Australia at the moment and the rest of the world, we have a very special guest, a guy I've been wanting to get on for a long while onto the podcast, uh, Mark Charette, who's um, a Google trusted photographer. Um, is one of the co-founders of LinkedIn Local on the Central Coast. And if anybody's on the Central Coast or even a bit further afield and hasn't been to an event yet, you've got to come. It is one of the most electric networking events um, there are. And Mark is, a, say, a Google-trusted photographer. And, um, yeah, mm-hmm. big, big name on the Central Coast. Welcome, Mark. Thank you very much for having me. That's quite a riot. So tell me, tell me a little bit more about LinkedIn Local, first of all. Sure. We've, um, let's say it's a, an amazing event. Yes. How did the idea come about? And- it, yeah, it was actually call it an organic experience in terms of how it came to be because what it was started off because Brendan Rogers, uh, a friend of ours, was running uh, another event called Business Made Better, uh, was actually getting some great success and, and great turnout with a number of people who were interested in trying to better, you know, better their business and learn more about how they could improve their business. The challenge we were running into was that it was becoming more of a of a, a platform where people were not necessarily networking and connecting after the event. And we knew that that was going to be one of the most important things that we could possibly do. And um, lo and behold, uh, I can't recall exactly how it came to be, but mm. Brendan had actually had found uh, that there was this group called LinkedIn Local Center, uh, LinkedIn Local, which was actually founded originally in Coffs Harbor, and has gone. This thing, this thing has gone completely uh, crazy internationally. Yeah. It's gone wild. There's like literally hundreds of these meetings taking place everywhere, and we had found that there was someone who was registered to be running these events here on the Central Coast but wasn't obviously able to because they hadn't been happening. That probably got too busy, which mm-hmm. is pretty normal with most of our busy lives. And Brendan offered to take that up and uh, was looking for some people to help him run it because it's not a, a small event, as you know. Yeah, we have a pretty absolutely. good turnout. So um, along with Isaac Feeney, uh, who happens to be also our web developer, we worked together to uh, launch this the first event back in October of 2018. And we've been going like gangbusters ever since with it. Yeah, yeah, I was at the last uh, event last Monday, I think it was. Yes. And, uh, there, mm-hmm. there was, what, 60, 70 people there? There was about 65 people there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That wasn't a bad guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very good turnout. We had 130 some odd registers, which is pretty typical for a free event. Mm. Uh, there's one of the things that we do that's quite different from a lot of the other LinkedIn locals is we do keep it free. And we found that that actually is a better model for us in terms mm. of attracting not only a larger group of people to attend, but a more consistent group of people of attending. Yeah which is important because we really want to make sure that we have that built up consistency. That's how you build trust over time, after build all. relationships. That's exactly it. Once you've met somebody two, three, four, five times, you kind of get a better idea as to what they're all about and mm-hmm. if they're likely to be a good fit, if they're highly referable, if you know, it may or may not be a situation where you, you plan on doing business with them. Yeah. But often we're looking for people who we want to be able to, so we can refer and help our, our clients in areas that we don't have an expertise in. So 
that's one of the things that helps us build that trusting relationship. And I think that's a really important point. I think the thing that distinguishes LinkedIn Local from me to a lot of other events that you go is, mm. first of all, it's um, it's a really relaxed atmosphere. Mm. Everyone's in it for the same reason, mm-hmm. as well, which is really good. And I found that I actually get really great pleasure in actually referring people that I meet at LinkedIn Local to other people that I've met there as well. And yeah. I've actually made two referrals in the last week, which should be really good business contacts. Yeah. You know who, who you are yeah. out there. So, and, and, that gear, and I think people really thrive on that achievement almost. And it's not just about meeting people for your own business, but it's about who you can help on the central coast. Absolutely. It's exactly it. And it's actually spilling out beyond that now too, which Mm. is quite fascinating because we're getting so much attention with the level of turnout that we have with our group that other LinkedIn local groups have been paying attention to what we've been doing in contacting us and asking us, what are we doing to have the level of success? And also um, on a few occasions, um, especially Isaac has been able to help out other locations who want to launch their own LinkedIn local, they've reached out um, to us and to, and to Isaac to so what exactly can we possibly need to do to, to, to have a, a, a sustainable networking yeah. event that's appropriate for their market area? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things uh, really interesting for 2020, um, and because the Central Coast is a huge area, and one of the things that LinkedIn Local this year is doing is actually changing, is having a, a changing venue every quarter. Yes. Um, so maybe you mm-hmm. can tell us a little bit about that. Yes, it was something that we had been approached by other uh, venue operators who wanted to um, also be hosts when they started to see the, the, the level of turnout that we were getting. Because mm. obviously it's great as, because we do also partner with the venue. It's part yeah. of when we, we use, use that as an opportunity to, to showcase their venue at the same time. Because obviously what happens is then people who are meeting there for uh, LinkedIn Local are going to be meeting for their coffee meetings and, and so forth. Uh, so it's it's a good way to promote them. And we realize that it's difficult to promote only one location, especially yeah. when you consider the geography of the Central Coast. It's, you know, it's a very large geographic area with 325, 350,000 people yep. roughly. Uh, so ideally, we were hoping to find somewhere that would be further north and further south. And fortunately, a bit by accident, we somewhere, somewhat ended up in a situation where we were able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we have an event at, at uh, the Lake Cent- uh, the lake House at, at, um, at uh, the entrance. That's right. Yeah. Thanks to Sean there. And now uh, the next meeting is going to be, um, um, we're going to be hosted by Anton and crew over at the Lincoln Pin in Woi Woi. And then we go back to our regular location, which is the Team Fox mm. in Arena. So we've got these three locations, north, south, and yep. central. We can cover a lot more area and make it a little easier for people to attend no matter which part of the coast they're on. And yeah. in fact, we're actually getting people from as far... The, the one of the entrance surprise we had somebody come all the way up from Castle Hill. Oh, really? Yes, all the way to the entrance. Wow. So people are truly interested in what we have, what we have to offer, and we've had people at other events where they came in from as far as Singleton. Yeah, you know, so it it goes to show that it's uh, it's it's garnering a lot of attention. Mm, that's, that's brilliant. I'm, I'm so big fan, and um, I'm mm-hmm. going to spend a little bit more time on this area because mm-hmm. it's actually mm-hmm. really important. Sure. Where, where do you see? Uh, where, where would you like to see LinkedIn Local going for Central Coast uh, mm-hmm. during 2020? Really, the biggest thing we want to be doing is making sure that we continue to establish the the, the breadth, uh, the geographical breadth that, that we're we're uh, covering now. And continuing down the path of ensuring that people who attend understand the value of consistently atten- attending. Yeah. That said, the other thing we're looking at now is moving more towards occasionally having people come and speak, 
But not, mm-hmm. again, this is a no-pitch event. One of the things yeah. we're very clear on is people who do actually speak um, or, or have a few words to say at a keynote, we, we make sure that it's nothing other than helping other attendees on how they can better their business. Yeah. For example, last time we had um, um, Sam, Sam. Sam who, who spoke a little bit about the whole world of basically your branding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like we're probably going to have someone speaking possibly about the world of HR uh, pretty soon. I don't know if it'll be the next one. So we're moving into those spaces. And again, it's all going to be Local businesses will be able to come in and share a little bit of information about how local businesses can improve their own operation and how they can grow their business. Again, Absolutely. in a no-pitch way, because obviously, you know, we can pitch all we want once yeah. we're actually networking. That's that's the time to be doing it. You know, yeah. that's the right way to go about it. Yeah. Um, the other thing we've also launched, which was announced, is that we now have a directory on the listing okay. for, for the website for LinkedIn yep. Local Central Coast. And by having a, a directory which is something that doesn't really um, exist otherwise, is a directive where eventually we're hoping to have the categories and the skill sets that people are actually good at mm-hmm. be highlighted. That's going to take some time to develop. First, yeah. we've got to populate the database. Yeah. And then we have to figure out how we're going to actually sort and categorize everybody. But that's going to have to come in time. But we're in the process of developing that right now. Isaac has just launched it. I've just had a quick peek at the back end. It's just in the early stages, but we're getting going with that. So that's actually one of the big developments coming up. Excellent. Now, that sounds really exciting. I'm glad to hear that Isaac's on the case and not Brendan. Yeah. Technology. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Brendan. Yeah. I had to get the pop in there after yeah. Liverpool beat West Ham last oh, week. Oh, boy. There he goes. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mark, um, tell like your, your story is really interesting. Mm. Tell, tell us more about your journey mm. as an entrepreneur and mm. business owner and, and what really turns you on about Mm. your business yeah it's interesting because i didn't necessarily get into doing what i'm doing now because i had an aha moment it was sort of someone else had the aha moment and pointed it out to me one of those where like sometimes you go into business because someone points out that there's a problem to solve that Mm -hmm. that you might be able to do and this is exactly how this came to be for me originally um you know i I have a background that's quite varied you know i I come from a background of having been in retail i used to manage radio shack stores for many years i ran a mobile entertainment company as a dj and you know doing weddings christmas parties functions uh, corporate events that kind of thing and also i was a life insurance and i I was I, i was a trainer in the in the insurance industry so i've done all kinds of things uh, but what happened is that I would um, during a stint when I was in the audiovisual industry as an operations manager is when I moved here to the Central Coast, mm. and the travel back to Sydney was quite difficult. And it was actually you know, at a time when it was probably the right thing to do is to be parting ways with the company I, I was working with, and uh, they had had a, a an unfortunate small downturn. It was just the timing was wrong for me to stick around, so they asked if I, w- if I was able to leave, and I and I said it was probably the right thing to do. I agreed completely. So anyway, so at that point in time, it was a matter of what am I going to do now? Because it's yeah. like, do I go looking for work or do I do the self-employed thing? And I seriously, I, I did actually look for work, but I was finding mm-hmm. I wasn't getting a lot and I yeah. wasn't finding much, which is pretty normal when you're in your late 40s, early 50s to find it a little bit more challenging to find work. People yeah. are are probably a little more res- reticent to, to hire at that point because they figure, well, are you, are you mid to late career? Are you going to mm-hmm. stick around? You're going to be battling a lot of that space. And so I took a number of small sales contracts. And one of the co- contracts I picked up, I picked up was uh, selling advertising in the tourism industry. Okay. And it was, a, I enjoyed the work. It was a great piece of technology, but I could see that that technology was 
probably going to be dated because it was touch screens at visitor information centers, which is yeah. the good product, excellent quality product, but that everyone had a basically a touch screen in their pocket, you know, yeah. aka the mobile phone. Like what you know, so really the usefulness was beginning to drop off. But what did I what I had uncovered was that while I was actually doing photography for the ads, because people would ask for their their um, uh, their ads to be improved on occasion, yeah. people were actually offering to pay for the images separately because they wanted them Thanks. for their uh, you know their print ads and so yeah. forth. And I had no idea that my images were good enough to actually. I'd always been a good you know strong amateur photographer, but I didn't yeah. realize I, my imagery was to that degree. And I was actually telling this story to a friend, and it was funny. I was on a, on my way to a badminton meet in Newcastle from the mm. Central Coast, so sharing this information with a friend of mine in the backseat of the car, another friend at the front. And as I'm saying this, the fellow driving, Dennis, um, he says to me, he says, Mark, with, you know, if you're making money selling photos, well, why, why don't you go shoot for Google? Mm. And <laughs> what do you mean, go shoot for Google? Yeah. And so he explained to me what this was, was that there's this program called the Google Street. Actually, it wasn't called Google Street View then. It was called yeah. Google Business View. And it, it was a program that had actually started in 2012 oh, yeah. and had been going on for some time already. Google was already operating this. And this was in 2015 when I got involved in this yeah. space. And anyway, so Dennis had suggested I check it out. So I, I signed up to uh, you know, apply for this program to see if I could possibly qualify. Found out that it was a quite a complex form of photography. Yeah. And I, you know, I find that that kind of photography where it's more complex and difficult and niche is more interesting to me anyway. So I eventually um, had the opportunity to submit my uh, my sample images, and I was pretty well immediately accepted mm. into the program, oh, wow. which was great. So, uh, so from mind you, it took a long time to get that application through because I had sent my email in February, didn't hear back till June yeah. to to send the images, sent them in, and they approved them on the, on the first go. So I was able to actually start selling these virtual tours, which is mm. what they are, which is 360-degree yeah. photography that's published on Google Maps. So essentially what I do now is if you look at Google Street View and what the car actually shoots on Google yeah. Maps, it's exactly the same kind of imagery, but it's in published as opposed to being outside on the street. Right. It's inside for the businesses to showcase the business on the yeah. inside. For a long time, it was actually called also sort of a, the moniker of see inside. It was commonly okay. known as that. They've changed that since that's to yeah. basically Street View because it's a more well-known brand. But that's essentially how I became a Google trusted photographer is by essentially submitting those images and I've been doing it ever since. So, oh, wow. Yeah. You, you look as if you get great joy from your work. I do, actually. I huge amounts of businesses from this. Absolutely. You know, the thing that's fabulous about this is that, number one, you can imagine there's a lot of people who probably would want to take up this kind of photography and but realize that it's quite complex. Um, so it's kind of nice to be in a niche that really is quite different from most people. And so I don't do weddings. I don't do Christmas parties. I don't do baby photos. Yeah. I don't do dog photography. You know, <laughs> I stay to the commercial stuff and I do the street view stuff. So it gives me a niche to be working in. It's incredibly powerful as a tool for business, especially yeah. businesses that benefit from someone seeing what the inside of their business looks like yeah. prior to visiting. Okay. Um, the other thing that's important to remember with this is this actually helps to signal to Google every time someone looks at these images, the level of importance. So from an SEO perspective, mm -hmm. this actually can have an impact on the ranking of a yeah. business. We don't actually know how much because Google keeps those cards very close to themselves. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a lot of data that they, they don't divulge. 
But we do know that there is an impact where people who actually do look at the virtual tours are more likely to do business with those locations who they've been able to virtually visit through uh, a Street View experience. Okay, no, that's that's, that's fascinating. And that that leads me into the next point about um, digital adoption for small businesses and and how important that there's been so many changes in in the business world mm. uh, in the in the last five ten years or so forth that, that mm-hmm. all that all businesses and especially speaking to the likes of uh, Jacinta and Paul at yeah. uh, Fifth Element as well yeah. just how important is um, digital adoption for for SMEs what mm-hmm. what do you see the importance of digital adoption for for small businesses from your perspective in simple it's critical. It's, mm-hmm. in fact, just to give you an idea of how critical I think it is, one of those digital adoption points is wh- exactly where the virtual tours land, which is uh, yeah. a business's Google My Business listing. And I've actually started a hashtag that people can follow. So if anyone wants okay, to follow yeah. this, which is Herd of Elephants. Herd of Elephants? Okay. Yeah. And you go, what the heck does that have to do? I, I, what I explain it as being is, if you think of Google My Business as being really important well it's not just the elephant in the room mm-hmm. it's a herd of elephants yeah it's that big it's that important because really when it comes to searching out a business if you're at the point of making a buying decision unlike what social media is likely to do where it's basically a push marketing environment from a mm-hmm. business's perspective when you're actually searching for something as a consumer as a buyer you're likely to use Google a lot more than anything else. Yeah. So that Google My Business listing is often the single most important point of contact to convince someone that they actually can do business with someone locally or a okay. business. So, so because in fact, there's actually a lot of data that's starting to show that many people make buying de- or not so much buying decisions, but decisions to visit a business without ever looking at their website and just going to the Google My Business listing. That is an incredible change. That's right. So when we talk about the digital disruption, as you were mentioning early on, the importance of understanding not only, yes, absolutely, websites, they're incredibly important. I would never take away the importance Mm. and the value of of, of a a quality, well-built website. But also, and of course, the social media like LinkedIn, we're a big fan, obviously, with the LinkedIn Local, big fan of that. And so same as Facebook and all these other platforms. But understanding that, Directory listings, and primarily the single most important directory listing on the world, which is Google My Business, Mm -hmm. is critical. And that world is constantly shifting. Literally, I'm actually learning something new about Google My Business every single week. There's a, I'm constantly having to study, see where the changes are going. Yeah. And so, if you think about the average business, they're not very, you know, uh, you know, they're they're busy doing their business. They're yeah. busy running the business. The last thing they want to be doing is staying on top of all of this techno- technological change, all this mm. digital disruption. So I take it upon myself to be the person who can at least provide some form of up to date av- advice. Yeah. Because the challenge is how up to date is it? Because what you learn a year ago, what you've learned a year ago, and what you would learn today in terms of how to market your business could possibly be very different. The principles won't change, mm. but the technologies behind it and the, and the methods and the tactics you'll use might be quite different. Yeah, absolutely. So I personally actually didn't mm. realize, and, mm. and I speak to people every day, just how important that, that Google My Business is for for, for, for small mm. businesses, for founders just starting out and so forth. Absolutely. To get that piece right before anything else is what you're saying. Exactly. In fact, one of the first things I tell pe- to people who are startups, if they're actually in, at the point of startup, is number one, before you even register a business name with you know with the local business registry, whatever mm-hmm. it be, in Australia we have the ABNs and so forth, 
is search out to make sure that the URL for your business so that when you get a website done, yeah. that you actually own and control that brand yeah. and in every form possible. So in other words, get the .com, get the .com.au. If you can, get the .nets and .net .au. Try to buy out everything around it, yeah. even misspellings if you can, mm -hmm. to control your brand. Yeah. Once you've done that, step two, get your Google My Business page. All right, you yeah. can Because you can get that and still have your website be under construction yeah. and be getting your ball, getting the ball rolling because your Google My Business page, although I don't recommend the use of their website builder, does mm -hmm. actually have a miniature website yeah. builder built into it. It's tiny. It's kind of, you know, it doesn't do much, yeah. but it's far better than nothing at all. And it's a place to start if you're a startup business. Yeah. And then you can then hopefully put up some photos, put up your hours of operation, put up posts, make sure that your, your phone number is on there, that people can reach you. Because as an example, now, one of the things that with mobile devices today, mm -hmm. if you have a Google My Business listing and if you actually are properly listed and easily found, people will be able to click to call directly on their mobile yeah. device. And that's a trackable call. So you can actually measure that. Yeah. So you can get a sense of how well that's working for you right off the top. And mm -hmm. it's free. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So yeah. it's really important. So, so in terms of um, of improving your Google My Business uh, page, for instance, mm -hmm. so you're a huge advocate, obviously, for mm -hmm. adding relevant photographs. Absolutely. Add, adding the virtual tours into the... Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's about prioritizing exactly what content you should have. I'm a, I'm a big fan of making sure that we look at the... You know, number one is make sure that the data that you have on there is accurate. That's your name, address, phone number, website, that basic data. Once you've done that, yeah. then you look at some basic photos make sure they're authentic let me if I can throw in a little um, a hint for everyone this is something that's call it a power tip if you wish yeah. do not use any form of stock imagery on your Google my yeah. business listing avoid it like the plague yeah you're you're better off to take out your mobile phone and take a couple of happy snaps with that as long as they're clear crisp and simple mm -hmm. images far far better in terms of content than uh, what would okay. you would find in a stock image yeah. uh, stock images uh, are actually i will go so far as to say dangerous for your brand if they are the wrong kinds of images um it's right. not i'm not actually saying that all stock imagery is bad no yeah. i have i used stock I have, i've used stock imagery on, on yeah. very rare occasions give me an example if i needed to do a post that was um having to do like for example i spoke about herd of elephants i've actually never gone to go see a herd of elephants yeah what did i do i actually bought the image from somebody else yeah. right oh, yeah. okay if i were going to be doing a, a post having to do with new york city i'm not going to travel all the way to new york city to take my own photo so that it's not stock yeah. Yeah, of, course of course i'll buy it yeah that's you know you're being reasonable but for any other content that I'll put on, whether it be my website or my Google My Business page or social media feed, I want it to be my own content mm. as much as possible. The only exception again to that is if you're resharing someone else's content or you're supporting someone else okay. or, or resharing, then obviously, but you must obviously ensure that you continue to give full credit yeah. for, for who actually owns the content. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's uh, that, mm -hmm. that's so important that, that area, the copyright area. So mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I guess I get a, I guess a lot of businesses come unstuck through. They do in breach of copyright and so forth. I've actually had not. I think it was about two years ago. One of the wineries that I had approached uh, for a virtual tour, they were very interested. In fact, they were ready to go, and I had gone back to see them to see when we would we were going to book in the, the shoot, 
and they were having to cancel the shoot because they had infringed on a copyright, ended up in a legal battle, oh, and were in the process of having to shut down until further notice. So, oh, so, so literally, business. This is over a copyright issue, yeah. you know. So this can actually be that serious. Yeah. Um, and not to say that every one of those situations are that serious. But it's not uncommon for you know you know tens you know, tens of thousands of dollars uh, to mm. to go into a battle of oh, for copyright. Yeah. So you know I'm, I'm again take your own pictures as much yeah. as you can, and if you can't take your own pictures because you're not happy with the quality, hire a commercial photographer to yeah. do the work for you. You know Absolutely. it's as simple as that. I mean it, you know then you'll actually have the proper rights to make sure that you use it, and it's a good proper quality representation of your business. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't couldn't agree more on that. Mm. Um, but mention all that. Is is there a danger of small businesses when or or, or founders when they are starting now of maybe becoming over, a little bit overwhelmed with all the digital options oh, and uh, yes. available the, the the analytics in Google, the Facebook. Absolutely, insights. absolutely. And this is one of the reasons why you know. You, you, Sticking to what you're good at is number one. Like mm-hmm. a, a num- one of the worst things in the world, <laughs> and you see this: people get a great idea, and then realize that they actually haven't studied the subject area enough. Um, and I see a lot of small businesses fail because they go a little too far down the path of ready, fire, aim. All right, I'm a, yeah. I'm a big fan of doing that, but you yeah. only do that once you've actually got some traction. Yeah. You don't do that before you got some traction. That's yeah. that's a big mistake in my view. You want to have some kind of ideas to know where you're going, you know, what the likelihood of the marketplace uh-huh. will be for your product or service, and have some ideas to what are the proper marketing channels that you'll actually mm. be promoting your business under. Yep. So that's a really important thing. And you're right. You know, it's very common for businesses to get themselves into too much trouble with marketing. It's, it's really – the thing is, is it's not that hard to get good quality resources mm. nowadays, a lot of it for free or relatively inexpensively online. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the the things that I, I'm a big fan of is the making sure that you actually have tools such as like, I think I mentioned before to you in past conversations mm-hmm. that I use a system called Zoho yeah. to run my business. And it's one of those tools that's actually particularly good because if you're a small operator, it gives you access to uh, your, your bookkeeping. It gives you access to uh, your CRM, your email campaigns, all in one box. It's pretty powerful stuff. Absolutely. And it's in fact, actually for someone like you know, yourself with you know, yeah. your product, your Jazoodle could easily tap into that and do great forecasting. But yeah. see, starting with something like that, that's inexpensive, that gives you a place to start tracking what you're doing is a great thing to do and a very inexpensive uh, thing to do yeah. to make sure you get the ball rolling right. So that's yeah. one of the first things I tell people, if you're going to start a business, yeah. and I've actually advised some of my, my, my photography clients where I've said to them, look, at, if, you're, if you're just at that point where you're starting out, my, often I'll ask them questions that have nothing to do with photography because I'm yeah. concerned about them succeeding with their business. Yeah. So you know, I'll ask them, you know, what are you using for you know, managing your business? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'll, I'm, I'll be happy to share some ideas as to what they may want to think about. Not to scare them because it can yeah. be overwhelming. Yeah. But to realize that they need to get them get themselves organized so that they'll be able to track where their successes are coming from. I think one of the things that I really like about the the likes of Zoho and and, and we use um, mm-hmm. Agile CRM, very similar yeah. um, mm-hmm. tool, is you've you've got all of the tools that you're likely to need to get started as a business. But the great thing is, and so not to be overwhelmed by a business, as a business owner, mm-hmm. is start off at the beginning, right? Yeah. Get your list of customers into place. Yep. Look at your marketing automation. Look at all the other the bells and whistles later on. Yep. But at least you've got those there in one package in a relatively inexpensive package. Mm-hmm. 
and that you can then basically you start utilizing other areas of the system when you need them. Exactly. So true. And when you start that, when you start afresh, and I can tell you, I, I've learned the hard way because I was one of those people who um, went from one CRM to the next, to the next, to the next. And as a result of that, by the time the data made it into Zoho, it was a bloody mess. It was a mess. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if I can give someone like a, you know, sort of people often say like, you know, what would you tell your younger you? Well, one of the things I would do is be far better at collecting data consistently. Because uh-huh. <laughs> yep. it makes a huge difference in terms of time savings. Uh, but definitely it's one of those things that I, I, that really has made a big difference. So, you know, going back to the whole, your question about, you know, what do I tell uh, businesses in terms of, you know, digital disruption? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big thing. But it's not so much disruption as it is better quality tools. And I, one thing I, I will also, what I really want to add in there is just because you may be uh, a, a person who's a startup who's, you know, you know in your 50s or 60s, mm-hmm. that is no excuse not to be using technology and get familiar with it. I'm in my 50s. Yes, I've been using technology my whole life. But this, it's seriously not that hard. And if you think it's too hard, well, I think what you're going to find is it's going to be a lot harder for you if you don't get used to it. Yeah. Absolutely. That's really, really great advice. And I would absolutely second that. Just mm. just take one step at a time mm-hmm. and build your digital footprint up as you need it and as, a, as the strategies dictate. Exactly. And so forth. You exactly. don't have to climb Mount Everest in one. No, absolutely not. And that's one, again, it's this thing. All these, these platforms are, you know, the, this, the support you get with a lot of them is actually really good. Yeah. yeah. And you don't have to learn it all in one shot. And if you get something wrong, the beauty about digital is it's very, it's far easier to fix something digital then, you know, something that's in paperwork that's been filed, then you go to look for it. Like, yeah. good luck with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I want to come on to another area of digital uh, now. And mm-hmm. this is, in, in some ways, it, it's a bit of a contentious area in many respects. Mm-hmm. Um, but that of um, Google, Facebook reviews. Yes. So are they good or bad for business? Well, that's a good question. They're actually both, but they're mostly good. Yeah. Even bad reviews can be good, surprisingly. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people think that, oh my goodness, I really don't want to get into the space of reviews because I'm scared I'm going to get a bad review. Mm-hmm. Be quite honest with you, if you've getting bad reviews, you got a problem with your business and you should be thankful that people are telling you that yeah. so that you can go back and fix the problems in your business. That's one of the things that reviews are are far misunderstood from. I've had yeah. I've had to counsel clients in the past who were getting bad reviews and wanting to essentially fight back online with the with the reviewer yeah. and me having to say hang on a second here this is an opportunity like you you do not miss this as a, as a great opportunity because they're telling you what actually may be a place where you can improve the business uh-huh. now am i suggesting that there aren't any trolls out there of course there's trolls of course yeah. people are going to give give bad reviews yeah. on occasion that are spammy in nature and in some cases with reviews you can request that they be removed even with google very very difficult to do mind you because you have to have an absolute clear-cut case Mm -hmm. uh, where reviews are identifiably um they're inciting violence or their forms you know they're outright you know clear harassment those kinds of cases you can request to have those reviews removed that doesn't mean they will be by the way it's more likely that they will be but overall, what's important to remember is how do you respond to those yeah. negative reviews? If you demonstrate through clear language, number one, that you understand the problem, 
you, you, you feel for the person who's shared this, this issue publicly because reviews are public, which is why it's such a pr- big yeah. problem. Um, but then keep in mind that when you're responding, you're actually really not speaking to the person who left the review. You're speaking mm. to everyone else who is going else. to read that well, response. Like that, yeah. Always think about it as if I were to read your response to a bad review about your business, does that make does that make me feel more confident that you know how to handle challenging circumstances and situations? Yeah. Because if you do a great job with that, You've actually gone up in my estimation, even yeah. with a bad review. Yeah. So a bad review can actually be turned on its head to a positive. Yeah. It won't give you the higher star rating and it will actually hurt your ratings. But here's another reason why they're not necessarily always bad. And it's a challenge for highly successful small businesses is that a lot of people think they all want to have five star ratings. and. Yeah. It's, you know, like right now, you know, I'm I'm still sitting with a five star rating with all the reviews I've had, and it's yeah. kind of funny me saying this to you because it's not like I'm inviting somebody to give me a bad review, but having a perfect five star review can actually almost work against you. Okay. Yeah, it's more so with larger businesses, higher traffic, higher volume businesses, yeah. because it seems inauthentic. Okay. That if you have strictly five star reviews for a business that does 25, 30, 40, 50 transactions a day, yeah. like there's just no way everybody's going to be happy to no. that degree. So somewhere around between 4.1, 4.2 to about 4.7, 4.8 is sort of the sweet spot for uh, the average ratings for reviews, especially for higher traffic businesses. So don't be discouraged if you're worried about the possibility of getting bad reviews. Bring it on, is what I say. Yeah. Bring it on. You know, you should actually be proud enough about the quality of the work, the service of the business that you run yeah. to request those reviews on an ongoing basis. Yeah, absolutely. And it really resonates with me about the chance to actually improve. And mm-hmm. um, my partner's business, actually, we the, mm-hmm. she does take reviews, mm-hmm. client satisfaction surveys afterwards. And uh, mm-hmm. she, uh, we saw that um, the other week there was a review on one part of the business had gone down to like, um, three or four or something sure and that was a particular incident on mm. the day um, mm. that once identified could easily be fixed absolutely and that hasn't occurred since so mm. it's a really good learning opportunity that's for, exactly for it the business absolutely and you know the thing about reviews which i we've not touched on which is surprising because we're going probably the area that we need to really focus on with this mm. is of all the things that are going to impact a local business when it comes to their local seo their ranking right yeah. now it's reviews. Oh, really? 25% of your local SEO today is essentially reviews. So it's incredibly, incredibly important. Just think about the way that we all buy. Yeah. Have you actually made a purchase? Like if you think about it, anyone who's made a purchase, anybody listening to this, if you think about you know the past 15 or 20 major purchases that you've done, what are the chances that you didn't read at least a few reviews? You know, yeah. the, st- the statistics are in. The average person reads between five to 15 reviews before doing business wow. with, yeah, it's really, really high. So we already know that that is a critical uh, roadblock if the reviews aren't positive yeah. or if there are no reviews at all. Because if you, so okay. if, if you lack the quantity of reviews, then you're not going to likely be able to get garner that, that positive feeling from someone who's looking to do business with you. And beyond that, one more point that's really important is the recency of those reviews. If you got reviews that were great in 2017, three years ago, How's that helping you with your business today if you've got no reviews between then and now? Yeah. Like if, you, if you're still in business today, you need reviews today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you should always have an ongoing flow of re- reviews. Yeah. So the important thing for businesses when it comes to a review strategy, because it has to be a strategy, is to be 
always asking for reviews on an ongoing basis by using a systematic methodology and also remembering what the order of priority of where those reviews are going yeah. to land. Google's at the top of the heap. We go back to that herd of elephants. It's again, yeah. Google my business. Your reviews there are still at the top of the heap. But then behind that are whatever the uh, most appropriate are relative to your industry. Mm -hmm. So if you're a B2B business, I'd be saying that LinkedIn recommendations, yeah. which are, yeah. they're not reviews, but the recommendations, same kind of space, highly important. If you are a business which is, for example, plumbing or air conditioning, then you want to be looking at uh, some of the major what's called tier two review platforms, which is like the yellow pages, yeah. word of mouth online, can start, all that kind of stuff. Those are really important there. And if you're in a super hyper niche type industry, like for myself as a photographer, mm -hmm. you know, if the photography booking sites are actually okay. important. Like if it was a, an, a, if you're a specialist accountant, you'd want to have reviews on that platform. If you're in the aged care world, there's lots of aged care review platforms. You want to yeah. make sure you got reviews there. Each one of these hyper uh, focused type of, of, of industries, you really yeah. want to make sure that you have a good spread of reviews across all of those platforms on a regular basis. Okay. And that was that, that actually you part answered, I think, the, the mm. question I was just about to ask. Is, mm. So the importance of having a systematic and strategic approach mm. to re reviews is, mm. is important for every business. Yeah, yeah. And trying to do that on your own might be, if you're a small business, you probably can just do it by hand. You really yeah. probably don't need to be uh, engaging in, into in any kind of special devices or, yeah. or, 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 or applications or programs to do it. But if you're in a, a business that's, you know, doing a fair amount of transactions, there's actually a lot of uh, programs out there that can help you. In fact, one of the services that I provide is exactly just that. It's a review platform that essentially helps people request the reviews, showcase the reviews on social media, and yep. uh, monitor and respond to the reviews. You know, also, it all helps you monitor and respond to any changes to your directory listings online, okay. all in one platform. So if you're a slightly larger business or you're looking for ways to simplify or have one dashboard for that, that, uh, there are tools available and, and it yeah. really does make a huge difference. It could save you not only a lot of time and money, uh, but a lot of aggravation from the point of view of ending up with, imagine getting your, a bad review on a platform you didn't know about yeah. and it's impacting your business. Like yeah. last thing I would ever want is that. I think it'd be, everyone would feel that way. Yeah, we, we all invest far too much into our businesses to be so true. derailed. Absolutely, yeah. So, so you know, can you do it on your own? Absolutely, it's not impossible. Yeah. You know, for small businesses, you know, if you're only doing a very limited number of transactions per year, like if you're uh, like a consultant and you're dealing with 20 or 30 clients a year, you probably don't need a specialized online reputation review platform. Yeah. You could probably monitor on your own. Um, but if you're doing anything, like if you're a retailer or if you're doing more than 15 to 20 transactions a week, I would yeah. say definitely you want to be looking at having some kind of a platform to support you with that. Okay. Excellent stuff. That, that is really uh, great advice, mm. et cetera. And the last, last area I want to touch upon this, this little um, section is the number of experts that are out there in the mm. in, in the big wide world that have got over fifteen hundred years digital experience uh, and yeah. and so forth? What what advice would you give to small business owners just to be aware of making sure they're choosing the right person to give advice on mm. on other areas of digital? Sure, yeah, and probably the easiest one to, to, to with that is. Try to find, again, funny thing, I'm going to say reviews, but more mm. recommendations and reviews through people you know. It can get very, very difficult to select you know, the right person. And in fact, always don't just assume that because their portfolio looks good on their website, that they're actually legitimately that good. 
Uh, it's unfortunate, but you know, it's actually easy to throw enough money against the wall when it comes to website, you know, the yeah. web wall, and make it look really good. Yeah. All right. The real truth comes down to results and results that other people can verify. Yeah. That's really, I think, the most powerful thing to do when it comes to getting good SEO support. So it's funny because even just last night, I got another phone call that was a phone number from London, but the person was truly obviously from India. You know, no disrespect. And I get get these calls all the time. And I feel for these people because they're trying to sell a service that's very difficult to sell. They're trying to cold call it into businesses. And they may or may not be very good at what they're doing. But how can they possibly be building trust that way? And how can they possibly demonstrate that the services that they are offering are in fact high value. The only way to do that usually is through other businesses that maybe, um, I would actually say, talk to your suppliers is one of the first places I'd go, okay? So for example, if I were, um, let's say if I was an accountant, I'd probably have a a relationship with possibly my landlord. I'd have, you know, and they're supplying you the space. I'd be talking to people who are probably the, like even the cleaning company that comes and cleans your offices. Check out, you know, who's all your your office supplies company, all of yeah. these things. Find out who actually they're using and what kind of successes they're getting. You might actually find that they're probably going to be using somebody local. That's mm-hmm. one of the first okay. things. If you can get local support, there's nothing like being able to go face-to-face across a desk and have a chat with somebody, if at all possible. Yeah. Even if it's not regularly, because obviously we can still do a lot of Zoom calls or online yeah, or you know, web chat, Google Hangouts, all that kind of stuff. But generally, I, I prefer to have at least a couple of meetings with someone before yeah. I, I have a supplier relationship with them. So that's my recommendation. See if you can try to find someone local. Yeah, in actual fact, just linking into that, LinkedIn local. There's um, yeah. there's a few people actually that um, yeah. you should be speaking to. So Yeah, absolutely. If you're, if you're in that area yourself. <laughs> exactly. This is one of the things that's fascinating about LinkedIn local. You know, going back to that is is that it's like we've managed to drag out so much talent yeah. <laughs> in the Central Coast. People that you go, you had no idea. There's like one young fellow, Nathaniel, I think you met him before. Here's a guy who actually writes software specifically for the skip bin industry. Who would have thought there's such a thing? And like, like there's these absolute hyper niches with the stuff that Brendan does in leadership, you know, the stuff that Joe Hanlon does in HR. There's so much that these organizations and people have high level skills at. I think it's important to remember that we have a really good pool of talent here. We should be leveraging it locally. Yeah. It helps to grow the local economy. And if you're a local supplier, you know what? It's going to be good for you too. Yeah, absolutely. We're running short of time. Mm. Let's plow on. Sure. Well, where, where do you see the future of digital going? And, and specifically in the audio visual space and mm. where where is digital going? In sure. The future? Okay. <laughs> this is going to sound very um, out there because I actually, being in the world of virtual tour photography, it actually edges in the world of VR. If you've not seen a movie uh, called Ready Player One, I don't know if you're familiar with it. No. It's a Steven Spielberg movie based off of a novel. And I forget the fellow's name uh, off the top of my head who wrote the book. But it's actually set in the year 2045. Okay. And this is actually the world in VR and the challenges that we're going to be living in. And it's moving that direction where we're not going to be only strictly working in a world of face-to-face. The digital world is going to get so good, it's going to be almost fooling us. So... If you think of that, and we're talking about, you know, like we're going to still be alive those days. Like we're yeah. maybe, you know, a few more gray hairs that we already have. But <laughs> fact is, it's just not that far away. No. And that means that people who are starting businesses now, if they want to survive, you have to be on in front of the curve as much as you possibly yeah. can. 
Don't avoid the digital transformation that's taking place. It's critical to your business. In fact, you may find that it's not only critical, it might become your business mm, in a lot of cases. You know, um, We're looking at how the legal profession is being completely disrupted by technology. You know, There's so much of, of law that can actually be automated by AI. Yeah. Same thing happens with accountancy. Same yeah. thing that happens with manufacturing. There's just so many industries. You know, transportation, you look at, you know, which industries are not being affected. It's very, very little. I mean, I can think of one real big one with a big impact for VR and so forth, travel and tourism. Absolutely. A huge area. It's, well, it's actually one of the reasons why the virtual tours that I shoot are as powerful as they are because they do give people the ability to do basically a digital famil yeah. or, you know, where you go and visit a space without ever having to go to it. And make sure that it's actually the right fit. So in the past, it may be that someone who's going to be hunting down a, a good conference venue for their next yep. big convention, they may go to 15 or 20 different locations in person mm -hmm. to visit it, to find out after being marketed to. Think about the cost, the time that it takes to yeah. do that. Imagine where they would be able to do that same thing for more locations mm -hmm. from their desk through virtual tours. And in the end, they might only visit two or three just to be sure to be sure, you know, going yeah. to actually eat the food that's there to make sure it's really good, and, you know, and, and then it really reduces their costs dramatically yeah. and ensures that the quality of the experience that their guests are going to be having are, in fact, to the caliber they're hoping for. Yeah, so, absolutely. So that's a good example of how that world is changing. It's already happening right now. It's already happening, yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I, I see, that's a huge area in the space for, yeah. and especially travel and tourism. It's just, it just oh, it blows is. your mind as yeah. a, as the right, of the, let's do some sort of right. I, I want to go have this in this, this venue. Mm -hmm. I, want, I want the beach within three minutes. I want blah, mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden you're taken to a virtual world. Exactly. So actually, yeah. It's exactly. In fact, you know, some of the tours that I've worked on recently, along with some other photographers, because I actually do post-production work for augmented reality layers yeah. for other photographers. And in fact, there's one uh, who who's in Sydney have properties that are like we're talking like aged care facilities are quite large mm -hmm. or multifunction facilities or, or colleges and universities. You can imagine where these are large campuses or even multi-location campuses yeah. where what we have is a, we'll have a drone shot taken from above ground of, at one key point And we can then basically virtually drop you off to continue yeah. the virtual experience anywhere else. And that's that's the kind of stuff we're already doing. It's here now. It's here today. It's not yeah. something that's going to happen sometime in the future. So, you yeah. know, I tell people you got to be ready to catch up to this stuff because it's here now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant stuff. Um, just uh, in the close, mm -hmm. like the closing couple of things, um, mm -hmm. have you any uh, anecdotes or reviews from customers that show the power of, of virtual tours in a business? Yeah, actually, very recently I had a client tell me that they actually were able to get roughly about a 50% increase in their visitation. Yeah, yeah. It was actually accommodation industry. So you can make, okay. again, you go back to the yeah. tourism world. Yeah. You know, this is because of the fact that what they did is they actually placed the virtual tour directly on the homepage of their website. Right. And the direct impact is huge because it's the primary visual content and people can visit it right away. They don't get pitched. They get the venue. They yeah. get the place. And they can go and visit all the rooms, pick the room they want inside the virtual tour, literally click on the booking engine and book in. Done. Oh. It's like... That's how powerful this stuff can be. So does it work? Yeah, we've got some very good results with that. That is wonderful. Too. I've mm. only seen just way more um, mm. applications for it in the future oh, in just absolutely. so many different uh, areas. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Right, we are on that time. Last couple of questions mm. for yeah. you. It's more of a general nature. Yeah. It's the one that most of my guests actually 
uh, have, tr- have trouble. <laughs> okay. Well, bring it on. If there's one piece of advice you could give to any budding entrepreneur or small business owner, what would it be? I think I touched on it a little bit earlier on. Make sure that you get your systems in place and pick something that you know is going to be uh, that's something that you're actually going to use. Mm-hmm. All right. Like for example, like, like I mentioned Zoho and it doesn't have to be Zoho. It could be HubSpot. It could be, you know, like there's Aptivo. There's tons and tons yep. of these things out there, but pick a system and leverage it early on. You know, make sure you get your data in there. Don't be fearful that, that it's wasted time because with all of these platforms, generally speaking, if you do a good job putting the data in right, don't do what I did, but put it in such a way that if you have to take it out and change systems, you'll be able to basically dump it out, move to something bigger, and it'll still be functional. Start your data collection early. Start learning from the little bits and pieces you can early. That'll pay dividends for the long haul. Yeah, brilliant. Mm. And uh, that goes back into what we did right at the very early days with Jazood always. Mm. Start small, but think about where you will go when you start scaling and what you're likely to need from from that data. Exactly. That's exactly it. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And final question. Yeah. If you had a magic wand, yeah. what would be the one thing you could you would wish for in this world? Oh, uh, wow. What, what, <laughs> you know, a magic wand. <laughs> you reuse it? I can tell you, how about that? You know, wouldn't that just be the... I if I could, a for a magic wand. I, I, yeah, exactly. A magic wand would be what I'd want because then, hey, you know, <laughs> wouldn't that be the coolest tool? <laughs> That's better than VR. <laughs> the future of technology, a magic wand. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Fantastic. That's great. And uh, just closing, mm-hmm. when can listeners find out more about you, Mark, yeah. and, and your services that you sure. offer? Um, easiest place to catch me is actually if you're doing in social, I'm far more active on LinkedIn than anywhere else. So if you can look, just look me up. In fact, actually, if you type in my name, MarkSharet.com, it relinks to my LinkedIn profile. That's Mark, M-A-R-C-C-H-A-R-E-T-E.com. Or you can go to my website, which is WorkPix, W-O-R-K-P-I-C-S.com. And if you also want to see a sample of my virtual tour work, I have a also a separate URL where I host a series of many of my clients' virtual tours all in one place. And it also relinks really back to my website. And it's quite simply WorkPix360.com.au. Fantastic. Well, that was fascinating discussion. And yeah, everybody's got to meet Mark. Mm. Whether you're based on the Central Coast or not, everybody's got to meet Mark. So. Thank you very much, Mark. That was a brilliant discussion today. And and I wish you best for the coming months. Well, thank you very much. Really appreciate you having uh, the time to come and have a chat with me. Cheers, Mark.